Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're doing well. We are getting a little stir crazy here, but I feel like we're kind of getting into a beat as much as you can during these weird, super weird times. I wanted to talk to you today about, I want to get back to just giving you some information and some knowledge about things that maybe you don't think about, or maybe some things that you're missing when it comes to your child's OCD. So I thought it would be good to cover three of the most commonly missed compulsions in childhood OCD, kind of go into what they look like, how they can show up so that you know how to handle them when you see them in your child. You know, ironically, I think the more that we're home with our kids, the more we're actually seeing a lot of their struggles. Are you finding that? I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that we're seeing struggles around the coronavirus, uh, although some kids definitely are, but I think like I'm kind of in a weird way getting to know my kids' anxiety and OCD issues a lot more in depth because there's no escaping it. They're not going to school. They're not going away from me. I'm not going to work. And so it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And surprisingly, that's giving me some new insight. And I wonder if you're feeling the same way. So we're starting to observe those compulsions, observe those themes, see how they work. And in a way that's kind of a gift in disguise because then we're really able to understand how these things are manifesting and we're able to catch them a lot earlier. So that's kind of what's going on at my house. And I'll go into that as I talk about the compulsions and things that get missed. But you know, my, my eight-year-old has had some themes around the coronavirus for sure. She gets worried every time she starts to feel sick that she has it. And she gets nauseous a lot because she has a metaphobia, the fear of throwing up and she has celiac disease. So it's this vicious loop. And she did get really sick uh, a few weeks ago. And then the last two days she's been feeling sick again. And it is kind of concerning because, you know, you don't know what's going on with her and like why she keeps getting so nauseous. And then you want to chalk it up to emetophobia, but you're like, but last time it wasn't last time she actually was really sick. So, but I want to talk about the things that are missed. And before I jump into all of that, I want to let you know that I also have a PDF that outlines 15 of the most commonly missed OCD themes in general. And I always equate OCD to ice cream. You know, there's like 31 different flavors. There's not literally 31 different themes of OCD. There's a lot more than that, but it's all ice cream at the end of the day. But we want to know what, what our children's flavors are. And I want to know their flavors because I might approach those things a little bit differently and I won't miss things. So we want to know what your child's OCD themes are so that you can target it in a really good pinpointed sort of way. And you don't miss things because when we miss things, and we're going to get into this today, we inadvertently can feed it and grow it bigger because we don't realize it's part of their OCD. So yes, OCD is OCD. It's all the same. It's all ice cream. But if I know my child's OCD themes, I can get to know their core fear. And if I can know their core fear in the moment, 
then I can make really good exposures. And if I can make really good exposures, I'm also aware of when my child is doing a compulsion that is related to that theme. So if my child's asking me a question or they want me to do something and I know that their ice cream flavor is chocolate and they're trying to get a big scoop of chocolate ice cream, I'm going to be much more aware of that than if I don't know what those current themes are. Themes change. They change all the time. It's an octopus. It can have many tentacles, but it is really good to get clued in to what's going on. So with saying all that, I do have a PDF that goes through the 15 of the most commonly missed OCD themes that I've seen in my practice. So if you want to get a copy of the free PDF, check it out. See if you're missing some themes in your house with your child, or maybe you're not even thinking it's OCD at all. And you want to make sure this would be a good thing to get. So you can text all one word OCD PDF to 44222. That's OCD PDF to 44222. And I'll send it over to you. Okay. So let's dive into today, three of the most commonly missed compulsions in childhood OCD. And even if you do catch them, you might get sucked into them periodically because I know that most parents do. So I'm only going to cover three because I really want to dive deep into each one of these. The first one are mental compulsions and mental compulsions tend to freak parents out because they're worried if I can't see what my child's doing, then I might think they're doing better, but they really aren't. They're doing tons of compulsions, but they are hidden and my child's suffering and I don't know about it. And I get a lot of questions in the AT parenting community. And I get a lot of questions in my public Facebook group about this. A lot of times parents will say, what should I do if my child is having a mental compulsion? How do I get them to stop? And I feel like that question is the wrong question. Uh, It's not about how do we get our kids to stop mental compulsions. And I'm going to go into a little bit of what those are and give you some examples, but we want to empower our kids. And it goes back to this every single time I talk to you is empowering our kids to help themselves. And so if we are micromanaging their OCD, if we are more overzealous than they are, if we are managing it and not empowering them, we're missing the boat. And so, yes, we can make a lot of initial progress by kind of dragging our kids through what they need to do for their OCD. We can police their compulsions. We can micromanage their use of things. We can um, do a lot of stuff. We can force them to do exposures uh, by threatening them. But at the end of the day, that's not going to maintain long-term success because by the time you're done, they're going to be feeling very resentful. And then when they're 20, 25, they're not going to build any skills to help themselves. So I am much more of a fan of empowering our kids, even if that takes longer. And that doesn't mean you don't pull back your own aspect of participating in your child's OCD behaviors. And we will talk about that today. That part we do control that part. We, we want to start to scale back as soon as possible. Um, in incremental steps, but that is something that we do want to control, but what they do, we really don't have any control over that. And we can't do hand over hand control for them to not do their compulsions, but teaching them what OCD is teaching them how OCD grows and it gets bigger, the more they feed it and teaching them how this is a lifelong issue if they don't beat it and empowering them. And I'm also very big into gamifying it adding incentives for them not to do these things that can be very helpful. 
in general. Now, yes, it is really hard to tell whether our child is doing mental compulsions. So when you're setting up challenges and stuff, that can be tricky. And some of it will have to be in the honor system. It can be really hard. But ultimately, this is their battle and this is their journey. And I always tell kids, if you're cheating me, you're really not cheating me. You're cheating yourself because at the end of the day, it's your OCD. And if you're acting like you're getting better, but you're not, the only person you're hurting is yourself. So let's talk about what mental compulsions look like. They really can be almost anything. The common denominator is that it's in their head and they're not doing something physical or out loud. So having said that, that can be pretty much anything, right? So I've had kids who have counted in their head. I have kids who do a lot of mental checking. That's probably the most common thing and the most missed, even among people who have OCD themselves, adults, they don't realize that mental checking is a mental compulsion. So what does that look like? If I am worried that I'm gay and I'm thinking, um, am I gay? Am I not gay? Do I like, do I like guys? Do I not like guys? Let me check this. Let me check my sensations. Let me check how I'm feeling. Let me look at this and see how that makes me feel. That's a mental compulsion. Um, if I feel like I'm worried about being a bad person and I have an issue with God, then maybe every time I have a bad thought, um, or an intrusive thought, I have to say something in my head like, Oh God, just kidding. Or I love you, God. I'm not a bad person. It doesn't matter. It's just something, a mental saying that I have to say in my head. So a lot of times kids have things they have to say in their head and no one knows about it. So there's counting, there's mental checking as far as, you know, whether they're this or that there is mental checking for memory. Am I going to forget my memory? Let me see. Do I remember this? That's mental. That's a mental compulsion. So it really runs the gamut. I mean, I can go on for hours and still never be done completely with what mental compulsions can be because they really can be almost anything. So I hope those give you some ideas. You won't know if your child's doing these. And sometimes I do really feel like children and teenagers are misdiagnosed with ADD because they look like they can't focus. They look like they're staring off into space. And then when I start working with them, they talk about all the mental compulsions they have to do all day long. And that's why they can't focus. So it is a good diagnostic thing to roll out when people are looking at ADD, or if you have a dual diagnosis of OCD and ADD, it is really good to roll out um, mental compulsions and, you know, intrusive thoughts that are distracting your child. Okay. So that's mental compulsions. You can't really stop it. Um, and you might notice it. your child might have this look like they're staring off and you might be really good at picking up those cues, but Ultimately, the way that we handle that with our kids is empowering them to help themselves and educating them on what mental compulsions are. I do have a kid's YouTube video on that, and I will link it in the show notes, or you can always go onto my website at atparentingsurvival.com slash podcasts. And the latest episode is always at the very top and you can read uh, the show notes. I have been getting the episodes transcribed. They're not perfect by a long shot, but they are being transcribed and they're on my website as well. So whenever I mention links and you don't see the show notes for some reason, you can always go to my website and check it out. Okay. On to the second of the three that I want to talk about today. The second one is reassurance. Now, a lot of times parents do not realize that reassurance is actually often an OCD compulsion. And there is a difference between 
reassurance in an anxiety sort of way, which I, you know, I teach parents how to pull back on that as well, but in a different sort of way. We want to teach our kids how to reframe their thinking. We want to teach our kids what I call how to battle their red thoughts, you know, and and do green thoughts. I don't do any of that with OCD. In fact, that can really encourage a mental compulsion. So I don't talk like that to kids who have OCD as well as anxiety, um, unless I'm talking about their anxiety and not their OCD, just to confuse you even more. But what I am talking about today is the reassurance that's driven by OCD and not your child. And I'll give you some examples of what those look like. If your child has um, a metaphobia, and sometimes the metaphobia seems like more of an OCD thing, sometimes it seems like an anxiety thing, I hear different people categorize it differently. I think it depends on how it manifests. Some people are afraid to throw up, but then some kids develop compulsions around it. And those compulsions can be like frequently checking their temperature. This is my eight-year-old, right? She has definitely an OCD flair to her metaphobia. She checks her temperature. She asks me, and that's reassurance. Mom, can you check? Do I have a fever? She wants me to put a trash can by her bed. That's, that's a physical action. Um, so it's, it's, but it's reassuring her that the trash can will be there if she needs it. Um, ironically, initially we used that as an exposure, but it turned into more of a compulsion. Uh, so reassurance might be mom, tell me, tell me I'm not going to get sick today. Tell me I'm going to be okay. And with OCD, you have to kind of sometimes say it in a particular way, or they're not happy. They want you to say it again. If your child has moral OCD, it's a lot of reassurance of, I thought I was going to call you a bad name in my head and am I a bad person or a lot of confessing. And, and so it may not even be that they want you to do something. They just want to get it off their chest. And so they get reassurance by you not having a bad reaction. And so it completes the OCD loop. A lot of times if people have themes around being poisoned or having something that can hurt them or make them sick, there'll be a lot of reassurance questions like, did this expire? Did you check the expiration date? Is this okay to eat? I touched this and then I touched my eye. Is that going to be okay? So you can see that it really depends on what their OCD theme is, what they're going to ask you. And so I'm giving you lots of different examples from a lot of different types of OCD themes that are, are going to vary. And so your child's not going to ask you all these. So it's not like, oh, well, check, check. My child doesn't ask me any of those things. So I think I'm good to go. No, I'm giving you examples of lots of different OCD themes. I did do a kid's YouTube video, um, this week, actually, well, you're going to be listening to this next week. So (laughs) I am on top of my game. I'm recording this the week before. So I did record a YouTube video. Um, yes, last week I'll talk like I'm in the future and I will link that as well. And it's a kid and teen YouTube video talking about how, like trying to explain to kids how their reassurance for those kids that have OCD, how sometimes the reassurance can be an OCD compulsion and how to tell the difference. So the reason why I made that kid's YouTube video, actually someone in the AT parenting community, um, one of the members in there asked me to make that video. I make private videos for the AT parenting community, but sometimes it's such a good topic that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use that. I'm going to make that for my YouTube channel because I bet there's so many other parents who would love a video like that. So for this one, I was like, I'm going to make that for my channel. So it's available for you as well. If you're not an AT parenting community member, and you can check that out. 
because I think we really need to convince our kids. We have to educate them on what reassurance loops look like and what is OCD. Because again, it's not about us policing only how we respond, although that that is a big part of it for this thing that we're talking about. But it's all about education. It's all about partnering with our kids as much as they will allow us to. I know some kids don't allow us to partner with them as much, but it's, it's educating them along the way, letting them know, even if they watch a YouTube video and they're not happy about it and you just have it playing in the background, that's still education. It's still planting a seed that says, Hey, you know, when I ask my mom this question, it is my OCD. And when she answers, I'm growing my OCD and she's growing my OCD. And so this is not a good interaction that we should have. And if I can delay it or ignore it, that will be a really important thing to try to do. Kids don't even know to do that. And a lot of times parents don't even know to do that. So I do have a a parent video on how to not complete the OCD loop. And I will link that below as well. I have a lot of, I have a lot of YouTube videos that could help on this topic. So reassurance is sometimes a pure OCD compulsion. And the way that you can tell kind of a, the clip note shorthand version of this is if your child is insistent and they're panicking. And so the, the longer you do not do this, or you do not answer them, or you don't answer in a certain way, the more panicky they get. And sometimes not always, they want you to answer in a very specific way. So that doesn't always happen. So don't rule it out just because that doesn't happen. Sometimes they'll say, can you say it in this way? Or no, you have to say this in this way. And then sometimes they're not satiated by the answer you give them. That's also a telltale sign that something's up. So when your child's asking you a question over and over and over again, that, um, that's an indication that you might want to take a closer look because OCD is not satisfied. It it's like, well, maybe, maybe she didn't understand me. Let me explain that again. No, mom, I was going to call you fat in my head. Well, that's okay, honey. You just don't have to say it out loud. No, mom, I was going to call you fat, like fat in my head. It's okay, honey. It's fine. Mom, I was going to call you a bad name in my head. It's okay, honey. So you see how that child is stuck. And they, they're basically like, if you think about you being the sink, I always say that as an example, you're the sink, you're the metaphorical sink and your child is washing and rewashing and rewashing until they feel satisfied. That's what they're doing when they're doing an OCD reassurance seeking loop is they're, they're kind of washing over and over again. And so sometimes you'll see it as repetitive, not always. <laughs> I want these caveats because I don't want you to be like, well, she only asked me once. So it must not be OCD. It's not what I'm saying. These are just some things to look out for. Okay. I want to dive into the third one. And the third one is missed a lot too. And that is avoidance. A lot of times parents will say to me, Natasha, I don't think that he has any compulsions. I don't even know why you're thinking this is OCD because I don't see any ritualistic behavior. And I'll say, oh, will he touch this? Will he touch that? No, he avoids those things. Will he say this or will he do that? No, he avoids those things. And avoidance is one of the most common compulsions. I actually, can you finish my sentence? Have a YouTube video on that. (laughs) I do. So I will link all of that so that you can take this podcast episode and learn for yourself and then have these videos that you can show your kids. I love to do both. I love helping you guys learn the concepts and learn, um, 
you know, like, I just want you to be like an expert in anxiety and OCD. Cause I don't think it's hard to be. And then I love giving you the tools to actually take what I'm teaching you and apply it and directly to your kids, you know, watch this YouTube video in the AT parenting community. We are doing a lot of stuff that's directly for the kids lately. I make videos for the kids and handouts for the kids, but I, we even started to do a kid monthly virtual support group. And so I love helping your kids directly. That was so much fun. The first call was so much fun because the kids were so happy to like connect with other people and to see that they're not alone. And on zoom, it was so cool to just see like all these tiles of like 30 kids and, and they can see, like, look at these faces and all these people who have similar issues to you. There's like no more validation than that, right? You just can't get more validation than seeing other kids. I'm going on a tangent, but it was very cool. Um, if you want to know more about my AD parenting community, you can go to atparentingcommunity.com just because I keep talking about it. I want to throw that in there and learn more about it. Um, and where was I? Okay. So avoidance is a big one. And I think that a lot of times parents don't realize that, that not doing something is a form of a compulsion. Now, another caveat, because I think this is really important it's important to realize that anxiety loves avoidance too. In fact, anxiety's favorite food is avoidance. It's predominant food is avoidance. So an anxious child will avoid. That doesn't mean they have OCD. So if you're like, oh my gosh, my child has anxiety, but she avoids all the time. I guess that's a compulsion. I guess she has OCD. No, that's not what I'm saying. Although they do like to hang out together, not every child with anxiety has OCD, but OCD can take avoidance and make that a compulsion. So let me give you some examples um, because it does look a little bit different. So if I'm afraid of germs, we'll take the most classic stereotypical one. If I'm afraid of germs, then I might avoid door handles. I might open them with my elbows and I might, um, you know, shut the lights off with my elbows and do things like that. Now, ironically, nowadays with the coronavirus, that wouldn't look too weird, but in the past that would look odd. That would be very, um, avoidant behavior. So let me think of some other ones. Um, for kids with moral OCD, a lot of times they will avoid looking at certain things. So they will avoid, um, you know, if you have a beer out, they might avoid looking at it. If someone's smoking, they may not look at it. They might walk in different areas in the days where we were able to be outside. They would, you know, if they saw someone smoking like a mile away, they might avoid that. They might have to turn their eyes, um, like a lot of times for moral OCD, they worry about where their eyes go. They worry that they're looking at someone's private parts. And so they'll avoid looking at the body. Um, sometimes I've had people who worry like their eyes can harm people. So they'll, st- they won't make eye contact. Now these are very specific examples, but it could be anything, but that gives you an idea of the level of avoidance, kind of the nonsensical level of the avoidance, um, that, OCD can, can cause. So I'll give you an example that actually just recently happened to my eight-year-old. And, and also it'll show you that when you can hone in on the compulsions and you can hone in on these OCD themes, you become so much more effective for your kids. So we'll end with like story time at the Daniel's house. So my eight-year-old, she's been giving me a run for my money lately. And she has had an issue with blood recently. 
So she's never liked to get her blood taken. She has celiac. So unfortunately now she has to get her blood taken about every six months. And, um, she does not like that. But the last time she went, it was a rather bad experience. Um, she almost passed out and then she threw up at the end of it. And so it did not go well at all. And she had watched, um, something on Disney and I don't even remember which show it was, but the girl was getting her blood taken. This actually happened before she got her blood taken. The girl had gotten her blood taken. And I guess, I don't know if she had passed out or something had happened and she couldn't get that, that she was on a loop. She couldn't get that image out of her head. And so that's the, another thing to think about that. A lot of times people miss that OCD theme that, um, they think it's just an intrusive thought and we forget that it can be an intrusive image or clip that gets stuck on replay in our kids' heads more so than the average kid. And so they're haunted by this thing over and over again, and it can create phobic behavior, which can seem like a single phobia, but when they have a history of OCD, and I'll, I'll talk to you about how this kind of manifested in a minute, you'll see that it's not a single phobia, although it can seem that way, that it really just was another OCD theme. So she had this thought in her head about this image that she saw. It was like a a clip in the story. And then she had a a true legitimate bad experience, but the bad experience just exacerbated what was already going to be happening to her. And so often um, we also look at these quote unquote trauma situations and we, we relate everything back to that trauma because we're missing all of the other signs. And I see that a lot in my practice and I see that a lot in the communities that I support online, that sometimes we, uh, we over identify with a trauma or a bad incident or situation. And we, we make that kind of the, um, the origin of everything when it really wasn't, it was just the tripwire that kind of made everything get grow bigger. So, okay. Two days ago, my daughter, so we've been working on emetophobia. We've been doing exposures on throw up because that's been her main thing. She was in the hospital for throwing up for two days. So we've been working on that. And then two days ago, her teacher assigned her this, um, video to watch about the heart. And, and I, and it said something about how blood pumps through your body. And I was just like, you gotta be kidding me (laughs) now. A not a good thing. Parent thing to do would be to just be like, honey, don't worry about that. Don't do that assignment. I'll just write to your teacher and tell her that you have OCD and that you're worried about blood. And we'll just, we'll just skip it. I didn't want to do that because I felt like one, it wasn't like one of her front burner themes. And two, we don't want to cocoon our kids to the point where we're preemptively not allowing them to experience a trigger. And so, yes, if things got bad, we can swoop in there and say, this is too much too fast. Let me email the teacher. But I think if we preemptively do these things for our kids, we're not really giving them an opportunity to be exposed to these things. So honestly, I thought about it for a minute. <laughs> Full disclosure, I sat there and I'm like, hmm, I could easily email the teacher. I've already, you know, the teacher's well versed in her anxiety and OCD. I can get this gone in a millisecond. But then I was like, no, I don't think that's really good. I think that's accommodating. Let's just see how it goes. So I didn't say anything to her. I just said, oh, you have this assignment. And she started to watch it. And I was sitting next to her and I could feel her tensing up. And she goes, oh no, oh no, I can't, I can't watch this. <laughs> and so it did not go well. And she would take a breath. And then I was like, just finish it. It was a really rather short video. So long story short, she was able to finish it. And then about two hours later, 
she just went ballistic. She's like, I can't get that video out of my head. And it's bringing back that other video, that other clip that I saw from that show. And I'm thinking about the time that I got my blood taken. And I'm thinking that now there's blood pumping all throughout my body. And that's upsetting me. And I'm worried to touch my body because I might stop my blood. And so this video created a massive amount of new intrusive thoughts. Like within two hours, she had a zillion new concerns about this blood, about the blood. Cause it was about circulation in her blood. And so then she's like, I can't even touch my body. And so she started to walk weird because she didn't want any of her body parts touching. She didn't want to touch me because she thought that she could stop my circulation and she would kill me. So you can see how fast a theme can just take off like wildfire. Right. And because I saw this happening and I realized, you know, that she was developing all these compulsions like within two hours, these new rules that we paused everything. We stopped doing everything. And I just talked to her about how, you know, her O cloud is creating rules right now for her. And that if she starts to follow these rules, it's going to make her have more rules and that we need to do exposures to nip this in the bud. And she was not having that. She's like, I'm not doing exposures. I don't care. That's so cruel. I can't get it out of my head. And now you want me to think about it more. This is my kid. How can she not get exposures. (laughs) So I did have her watch uh, the movie Unstuck, an OCD kids movie. We actually rented it because my copy is in my office at work and she's only eight. And I think I showed it to her last year. So she didn't even remember seeing it. Maybe she didn't even watch it. And so I said, I'm not making this stuff up. Like people pay me to help their kids, (laughs) you know, like I'm actually pretty good at what I do. I wouldn't have you do these things if I didn't think it would work. If I thought I was just torturing you because she was getting really upset. You just torture me. You just want to torture me. And so I was like, please just watch this movie. It's 20 minutes. It'll show you other kids who have different flavors of ice cream. I always relate it back to ice cream, you know, but the common, what's the common thing? And she was like, well, the common thing is they have an upsetting thought, feeling or image, and they have to do or avoid something to get some brief relief. That's what we always say at my house. So I had her watch the video and then, um, she was like a totally different person. She's like, let's do this. And that my eight-year-old is like, she's a warrior. And I know not everyone is like that. And I mean, she really is the warrior of the house. She is a super brave kid under all those fears and under all that OCD and anxiety. And so she's like, let's do it. Let's just give me exposures, mom. I can't get out of my head. The only way I can feel any relief is if we just do exposures. So we did. And we started to do, um, just writing the word blood. And this will kind of help you get an idea. Also, I know this isn't the topic for today and maybe that'll be a a good, uh, separate podcast, but just how to, you know, start off really simple. And so we just started writing the word blood. I wrote the word blood. I was typing it on my iPad and then she started to type it. And then she's like, okay, that doesn't bother me. Let's do the next one. She was just like powerhouse two days ago. And so then Um, we did an emoji, not an emoji, but like, I guess there's like an emoji that's like a blood droplet. I did not know that there was, but it popped up when she wrote the word blood. Um, it, you know how like on your iPad, it can show like an image. And so an image of a blood dot, like a droplet not a dot, (laughs) popped up and she goes, Oh my gosh, that's upsetting me. And I said, okay, so what do you think we should do? And she goes, okay, we should use that. So she started to like, just do the drug, the blood droplets over and over again. And then she's like, okay, that doesn't bother me. And we moved up the hierarchy so fast. Now I wouldn't do this with a kid I was working with because, um, 
you know, you just don't know what the, what the ramifications would be over like a period of the next day, but because she's my kid, I'm going to be with her. And so we just kept going. And I mean, if you know your child really well and you're doing exposures, you know, and you're going to be with them and you consult with your therapist, you can do that too. And so we just kept going. And so we did blood droplets and then we did, um, then she wanted to look at blood. She's like, I'm ready to look at blood. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So then I found a cartoon image of blood. And so we looked at that for a little while and then these were like a 10 for her. And then within about five, 10 minutes, she was like, okay, that doesn't bother me anymore. And, she, and then she like specifically said, I want to look at someone with a bloody nose that bothers me. I want to see with someone with a bloody nose. So we did that and then that didn't bother her. And then she wanted to see someone with like the veins and arteries that kind of triggered the entire thing from the video. And so I found an, a Google image of, you know, the cardiovascular system. And so we did that. Anyway, we got to the point where she was squishing me really tight and I was squishing her really tight because she was having this compulsion where she couldn't touch anything. And then she felt better. She's like, I'm good, mom. Like this isn't bothering me anymore. Now that was two days ago. Was that two days ago? Yesterday, she didn't feel well at all. So we didn't do exposures. And today has been bumpy as far as her not feeling well, but we have to revisit that. So it's not one and done. It's going back. But the reason why I went on this entire huge tangent is because it started off with avoidance. She, she has not wanted to see blood or talk about blood for a little while for the last month or two. And we haven't done anything about that. And then it quickly spread like wildfire where she wanted to avoid that assignment. And then the most concerning thing was she was going to avoid touching, touching other people, touching herself. So a lot of times kids with uh, contamination OCD will have contamination issues with people. They'll think that people are contaminated for a whole bunch of different reasons, depending on their OCD theme, which can vary completely. And they'll avoid that person. They'll avoid touching anything that 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 person has touched. They'll avoid being near that person, or they'll be avoiding talking to that person. And you won't see really any overt compulsion. It's all avoidance. So that was a long story to express that, but I was like, you don't know what's going on in my life and what we're trying to deal with over here. So I hope that you found this episode helpful. So the three of the most commonly missed compulsions are mental compulsions, reassurance, and avoidance. And our ultimate job is not to necessarily fix these for them. Although the reassurance, we don't want to participate in that, but it's really to empower our kids to help themselves. So definitely check out the movie unstuck and OCD kids movie. I'll leave that in the show notes as well. Since I brought that up, it's 20 minutes. I actually had my son watch it yesterday for, um, some of his exposure points and uh, he had watched it a long time ago. And I think they really helped them, you know, just to have that refresher that it's been a long time since they've seen it. So I think that really helped. So that may help your kids as well. Don't forget to download the PDF that I have for you, the 15 of the most commonly missed OCD themes. You can text OCD PDF to 44222. So I hope that you found this episode helpful and I hope that you find my podcast helpful in general. If you are finding this podcast helpful, there's a very easy way to get back. You can hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Those ratings are really important. And if you have a few extra seconds, if you can leave a review, that's even better because people read those and that actually helps parents know that this show has some value. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. 
you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 